Thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We're equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Pastor Michael Lockstamper, and this is episode two of our Break the Dawn series. I hope you had a stupendous Super Bowl Sunday this weekend, and that you've had some chance to recover after staying up late on Sunday night. Today we're talking about chapter 15 in the book of John, which is a biography of Jesus' life written by one of his closest disciples and friends, whose name was John. Jesus uses some incredibly rich horticultural metaphors to describe his relationship with his disciples, and I'm glad we get to walk together through this passage today. Before we get started, though, I want to mention a few things that are coming up next week. The first has to do with this podcast. If you've been listening for a while, you know that it took us a couple of weeks to get used to this new format and to start publishing on a regular schedule, the way that we had been previously. So we actually have a backlog of a couple of sermons. In fact, as you listen to this sermon today, we actually have episodes one through five of the Break the Dawn series already done and recorded on the tapes. So over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to do is do a couple of midweek special episodes so that we can catch back up to where the church is at on a week-to-week basis. So if you want to catch those episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and those episodes will be delivered to your device automatically. I also wanted to remind you that the ladies of our church are getting together and doing a Bible study together of the biblical book of Daniel. And I was mistaken last week when I said that they'll be starting on February 12th. They actually started last week and they're meeting every Sunday afternoon to discuss what they've been reading and also to watch a video lecture series. So if that sounds like something that you might be interested in, then shoot us an email and let us know. It's not too late for you to jump in and get started. And these ladies would love to meet with you and to dig together into God's word. One thing I was correct about last week is the membership class. That is starting on February 12th. And with a name like membership class, it sounds like some kind of a timeshare sales pitch. But I just want to assure you that this is a low stress way for people to get to know who Grace Church is, what we stand for, what we think God's mission is for us in the city of Ocala and how we plan to meet that. So it's a great way. It's probably the best way to get to know Grace and what we're doing. So if that's something that you're interested If you have more questions about that or you're interested in signing up, then send us an email. Our email is office at ocalagrace.org. That's office, O-F-F-I-C-E, office at ocalagrace.org. Now, last week, I let you listen in on something we call our Kid Nation Address. That's the portion of our worship gathering that the person preaching gives a bite-sized version of the sermon to the kids who are there in their worship gathering. The illustration that I used for the Kid Nation Address carries throughout the sermon and the passage of scripture that we're talking about today. So let's listen into the Kid Nation Address where I'm specifically addressing the children who are present before I move into discussing the whole of John chapter 15 with the adults. All right, children's, welcome to Kid Nation. I need your help. All right, who can tell me what this is? A plant, correct. Any guesses as to what kind of plant? What you got, Max? No, not an olive tree. I appreciate the guess, though. It's very biblical of you. Hibiscus! That's my boy! Yeah! 
All right, we got a hibiscus here. Um, anybody know what these are? Tweezers. Tweezers. <laughs> Good guess. Pliers. Pliers. All right, there's a sharp end here. These are fancy scissors. They call them pruners. Oh, yeah. Um, so I got a pair of pruners here, and I got a plant here, um, and I, I need your help. Can you guys help me? Everybody, everybody can help me. How many we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven, another biblical number. Here we go. All right, I'm going to take this here. One. Can you count with me? Ooh, that wasn't a good one. I can do it again. take this one. All right. Good job, guys. Congratulations. You all can count to seven. All right. Here's what I need you to do. Here's, here's, here's what I need to help. Everybody, you guys know what a hibiscus is? Where does it grow? What? Okay, yeah, this is a Hawaiian plant. Tell me, tell me what, what's on the plant. Flowers. Good job, Bean. Um, so I'm gonna, can you hold this? And I'm going to give one to you. So everybody knows now that hibiscus grow flowers, right? So I'm giving you all hibiscus plants. You hold on to it. And what I need you to do with this plant is grow me a flower. What do you mean how? You got a hibiscus plant, grow the flower. You already got a flower there? Yeah, it's not quite. Yeah, these are leaves. So why can't we get a flower? You guys, there's, you got a hibiscus plant there. You got the stick. You have to water it. All right. It has to have sunshine and dirt. Where's the roots? You can't make it grow a flower. Why not? What do, you, what do you think, Hannah? Why can't we? Why can't we? Uh, why can't you grow any flowers? I asked Hannah. Doesn't have any roots. Okay, do you think that this this will grow some flowers here? But I just took I just took these off of there. What? What do you mean? So what's going to happen to these? They're going to die. All right, here's, here's what we're going to talk about this morning. The same way that a, a stick, a part of the plant, if that comes off of the plant, if we come off of Jesus, if we don't have a connection to Jesus, then we'll die too. In the same way that you can't grow a flower off of a, off a stick, you, Riley, can't grow any flowers for Jesus if you're not connected to him. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for your help. You guys are going to go back with uh, Uncle Ryan to Kid Nation using your walking feet. Walking feet. Good job. Good morning, church. 
Um, we're going through uh, a, a series now, and it's called uh, Break the Dawn. It's our third, third section of the series in John, and so we're starting in, in John 15. Um, so if you want to open your Bibles uh, to John 15, you can. If you need a Bible and you want to use one of our story Bibles, it's on page 747. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, my, my day job, quote-unquote, is I'm a gardener. I'm a groundskeeper for private individuals, so a lot of what I've gotten to do over the past two years is a lot of this stuff, um, cutting, cutting plants and things like that. And one of the, one of the difficulties is, is I kind of was familiar with plants growing up. My dad had a green thumb, and he would, he would grow stuff. But there's, there's something that you can't teach the principles until you've done it, until you've seen it happen. I can tell you that... Even those little sticks, even these little sticks will die. You know that kind of inherently. The stick by itself is going to die, right? But what, you, what I can tell you, but you can't understand until you've seen it happen, is that this part will actually be healthier because I've taken these bits off. And so you're looking at this going, yeah, it's, not, uh, it's not real pretty. In fact, I absolutely butchered um, the lemon tree in our yard this week and because uh, I had been talking to Jesse, and I said, "Hey, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna try and take care of this tree, and if I can't fix it, then I will uh, just cut it down." So I went and I pruned off what was bad. This hasn't been taken care of in a long, long time. And she comes out and she goes, "Oh, you decided to cut it down." <laughs> I said, "No, uh, I pruned it back, and we're gonna see how it goes for the next year. When when you prune stuff, it's really, really ugly." And nobody likes to see a freshly pruned plant because it's ugly. It doesn't have any flowers. It's uh, just kind of sticky and things like that, trees in particular. You guys, we're getting ready to see the crepe myrtles everywhere in town. They're getting ready to get all their branches cut off, which is just heartbreaking to watch. But there's a reason why that it happens. And Jesus is a masterful teacher. He sees this. He's working with people who understand these principles. And he says, that points to me. Those principles of how life works in nature points to me. So let's read together John chapter 15. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. So let's pause there. Jesus says, I am the true vine. These, these principles of horticulture and things of how they grow, this all points to me. I'm the vine. Which, you know, could be kind of insulting. I'm, I'm a plant. Right? 
So he says, I'm the vine, and uh, my father's the vine dresser. Have you ever worked with vines before? Have you ever seen vines? Like, I didn't know all of this. What's exciting to me is that I've only learned everything I know about plants in the last two years. And one thing that I've learned about vines is that they are unruly. Vines in particular grow like crazy everywhere they can. And they will completely take over. Given the right conditions, they'll take over. We know this about kudzu, um, which given the right conditions, which is pretty much everywhere in Southern America, it will completely take over and kill everything else. Vines are unruly. And I think it's fascinating that Jesus says, I am the vine. I grow in every direction. And my father's the vine dresser. He keeps me on point. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear, fruit, or bear more fruit. Everybody gets cut. If you're not producing fruit, you get cut off. If you are producing fruit, you get cut so you make more fruit. When, when, when Jesus is talking about the Father pruning, everybody gets cut. And, it, and it doesn't, it's, 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 it's hard to describe because you're looking at this going, that's, uh, you know, mm, eh. it's not very impressive, right? This, this little hibiscus with these sticks, not very impressive. But because I actually cut these tips, it sent a shock to the plant. The plant's in shock now. And it's going, hey, 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 we got to grow. So we got cut. We got to grow. And so it doesn't, start, it doesn't just grow from the tips, it grows all the way down the branch. Whereas if I had left it alone, it would only grow in the one spot at the tip. So he says, I'm the vine, Father's the vine dresser, you're the branches. If you're not producing fruit, you get cut off, and you can't. If you are producing fruit, I'm going to cut you so that you get the signal that it's time to grow more. So let's pause right now and realize that that's uncomfortable. When I signed up to follow Jesus, I said, you know, Jesus, you take care of my sin. You do all the stuff that I can't do, and I'm just going to, you know, follow you, and that's going to be super easy. You know, the path is narrow, but you paved it, right? It's, it's got lights. It's like the greenway, not the mountain bike trail. And Jesus just outright says, if you're producing fruit, if you're growing well, if you're doing good, I'm going to shock you. To grow more. And if you're not producing fruit, it's, you're going to get cut off. It's uncomfortable. That's not what we want to hear. We want to hear, I go and follow Jesus and everything goes better for me. But the fact of the matter is, and if you've walked it for more than 15 minutes, if you have any interaction of seriously thinking about who Jesus is, it's going to get harder and already has. Because when we start to produce fruit, Jesus draws more out of us. Everybody gets cut. But did you notice in verse 8? By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. If I told you um, that I'm a gardener, I'm a groundskeeper, and you were like, cool, that's awesome, and I showed you pictures of where I work, and it was all dead, and there were sticks, 
and uh, you know, it's, it's just dry grass, you know, dry grass because it's winter time, and there's nothing. I'm I'm a, I'm a great gardener. You're laughing. It's not like it's not true, right? In this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Why is my Father glorified because you bear much fruit? Because He's the gardener. He's the vine dresser. And how does the gardener get glory? By bringing in a harvest, by bringing in fruit, by showing off his flowers, all of these kind of things. And God is concerned about his reputation in the world. And so he says, look, I'm the greatest gardener ever, and I'm going to produce fruit. It might seem harsh to you that you're starting to get a little bit of growth, and then I cut you so that you make more fruit. But he's like, it's not about you. You're my branch. You're on my vine. And I'm going to get the glory from it. And that's not to say that the branches that get cut off aren't useful. Because there, there is a utility in dried up branches. We don't think about it too much in Florida. Because it's always hot here. But dried up branches in northern states is kindling. It starts a fire. Fire is helpful. And we need it to stay warm. But when it comes, like, for us, we might light a fire in the morning, might light a fire in the evening, but we eat three times a day. It's the fruit that he's after. He can make use of people that aren't growing fruit, but he wants the fruit for his glory. So here's, here's, here's the point. He says, abide in me. He says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you're attached to me, there's a life-giving relationship here. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. There's a life-giving relationship. If you're cut off from me, you're not going to bear anything. You're a stick, ready to get burnt up. But if you abide, what is, what is abiding? We don't use that word very regularly, do we? Abiding, being connected to, is probably like the easiest thing. You know, a branch is connected to the vine, right? But if the branch is connected to the vine, but there's a disease or something that the middle part of it, the core, which is actually where the life goes through, flows through, if that gets eaten out, then the branch doesn't do anything either. So... Being connected to Jesus, having an association with Jesus, having a loose association with Jesus, and showing up and pretending to be whatever. I went to church a couple of times. I'm associated with Jesus. I sometimes will think about reading my Bible during the week. I'm associated with Jesus. It's different from a life-giving, abiding relationship where I need you. Oh, how I need you. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday. Abiding is a life-giving relationship. And for me, I think too, time, too often I settled for an association that made it look like I was a part of the vine. So the first question is, are you abiding in Jesus? Is your life connected to his? which is a really big question to answer. And he's going to give some more clarification about how we can know that uh, later on.
In fact, let's read it. I'm going to start in verse 9 again and read that again. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. So how do we abide in Jesus? How do we have this life-giving, sustaining connection with Christ? He says, if you love me, then keep my commandments. This is exactly what I did to my father. He uses himself as an example. If you love me, abide in my love, keep my commandments just like I did. I abided in the Father, and I kept his commandments, and I've done and bore much fruit. And you know what? He's talking to his fruit. Y'all are my disciples. Father gets glory if you bear much fruit, and so prove that you're my disciples. So, love one another is not a new commandment. It shows up in the Old Testament. A lot of the Old Testament law is dealing with how do you love your neighbors in a civil, in a civil sense. Like, how do, you, how do you realistically show love when people are really getting on your nerves? When your neighbor is not honoring your property or if somebody does something, blah, 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 blah. The whole law, a lot of the law, I should say, is about how do you love your neighbor. So loving people is not a new commandment. What is new about what Jesus is saying here? It's the same thing that he said back in chapter 13 when he washed their feet. He says, love one another. As I have loved you. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just like I did. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another, what? As I have loved you. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So how has he loved these people? Well, he talked to them. None of the people that we know of, Peter, Paul, James, John, none of the people that we remember as great Christians initiated contact with Jesus. He's the one who called them. How did he love them? He said, hey, follow me. John, Simon, Peter. Y'all come on. He initiated the contact. 
That was the first way he loved him. Then he put up with him. They went to school together, like they lived together. And I mean, if you've ever, I, my, my context is if you've ever been on like a boy's dorm, like you, there's a lot of, you know, turmoil, I guess, a lot of stink, but also a lot of turmoil in a bunch of guys living together. So these guys are living together and then they're traveling together. I know we know the stress of traveling together. So he's walking with them and showing them and teaching them and, and, and he's, he's patient with them. And he answers their questions. And he lets them be dumb. And then he shows them, y'all were dumb. And he says, y'all don't get it yet. Let me tell you what's going on. How has he loved them? He's been patient with them. He initiated contact. And he's walking with them. And what does he say is the ultimate expression here? He says, the greater love is no one than this. Somebody laid down his life for his friends. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the disciples. The disciples are what? His friends, he just says it. I've called you servants. You're not my servants anymore. Now you're my friends. He's saying to his disciples, I'm going to lay down my life for you. I will die for you. You are my friends. Romans tells us later on that Jesus went beyond this and died for his enemies and the people that hated him and the people that wanted to kill him from the get-go. So Jesus, in talking to his friends, says, I will die for my friends. And we know later on that he dies for the whole world. He has shown the greatest expression of love in laying down his life. Love one another as I have loved you. And there's one, one thing before we move on that I wanted to point out. We talked about it very briefly last week. In chapter 14, verse 14, he says, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And I made the assertion that Jesus is saying here, I am God. You ask me after I'm dead and gone to do something and I'm going to do it, he's saying I'm God. Here's, here's the connection. Verse, or chapter 14, verse 14, I will do it. Chapter 15, verse 7, if you ask in my name, it will be done. It's going to happen. And chapter 15, verse 16, if you ask the Father to do something in my name, he will do it. So what's the point of all of this? Because there's a lot of words and a lot of church stuff here. What's the fruit that we cultivate? What does he say? I'm telling you this so that you will have life. I've heard life. That's true. He says that more in, in chapter 14. But here he says joy. He says, I'm going to live so that you can live in chapter 14. And in 15, he says, you're going to love one another so that you can have joy. This is a paradox. Loving people ain't easy. Marriage is a miracle. Two people living together and you know, working on life together and nobody dies is a miracle. Because people loving one another is messy and dirty. And so when Jesus says, I want you all to love one another, everybody's going, oh my gosh, and they're sweating and they're doing, and they don't know, what do you mean we got to love each other? Why would we love other people? You need to love other people so that you have joy. What? When I love other people, they hurt my feelings. When I love other people, they take advantage of me. When I love other people, I get hurt. And Jesus says, when you love other people, as I have loved you, you will get my joy, and your joy will be full. And here's where I have to be honest with you. I'm not there. 
It's hard. When I try to show people how much I care about them, you, you automatically open yourself up to get hurt. And I don't know that I've gotten to the place yet where Jesus says, my joy will be in you and your joy will be full. I'm not at the place where I read that and go, Jesus, you are so right. I'm so joyful because you've called me to love these people. But that's the promise. This, 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 this is the crazy thing. There's a lot of crazy things. We could have stopped on any one of these verses and talked for 50 minutes apiece on every single one of them. There's so much here. But this is what blows my mind, is that loving people leads to joy. Jesus gives joy through loving to people. And so... There's a nuance, I think, that we should point out here, and that is, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and you'll love one another, as I have loved you. We can't bear the fruit of joy unless we abide in the vine, who's already showed us how to do everything. Do you see what I'm saying? We, we can acknowledge that loving people is hard, and it doesn't ever get easier, I don't think, from my, you know, limited experience. But he's saying, if you abide in me, this loving people thing will be your joy, and it'll be full. So we, we love truly Jesus by keeping his commandment to love others. And he cultivates joy in us. So, I haven't said this yet, but it's up here behind me, so I'll just go ahead and say, we're cultivated by God to be fruitful. He wants us to be fruitful. That's why he's planted us here. That's why he's connected us to Jesus. We cultivate joy by truly loving. We love Jesus, and he fills us with life to love other people, and our joy is full. But we're helped to cultivate a lasting harvest. Let's read the last section here, beginning in verse 18. John 15, beginning in verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you? A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Verse 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things, I'm going to go on into chapter 16, I have said all these things to keep you from falling away. They will, they will put you out of the synagogues. 
Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Here's something else that's uncomfortable about following Jesus. One of the fruits of discipleship is hatred. One of the things that God gives, or one of the things that happens when we choose to follow Jesus is people who are not following Jesus hate us. We incur in ourselves, by this decision to follow Jesus, animosity. And the hard thing, well, I mean, that's hard. But let's also acknowledge that sometimes that animosity comes with people that we love and care deeply about people that are close to us, people in our house. And we get frustrated because we're saying, God, I've chosen to follow you. I love you, and I'm loving these other people, and I just can't get anywhere. They're not listening. They just act like they hate me. And he's saying, yeah, they hated me too. And you now are my representative on the earth. Because, because here's the thing. Jesus coming and revealing himself to people meant that people had to make a decision. As long as Jesus didn't come, as long as there was no revelation, true revelation of God in the world, then people could just keep doing what they wanted to do and be left alone because they don't know any better. But as soon as somebody comes along and says, look, I represent God, I am God, and you're doing it wrong. Then they have to choose. Am I going to keep doing what I want to do? Or am I going to follow this? And if I have already chosen not to follow him, and I see other people that have, it's going to be real frustrating. Y'all are stupid. Y'all can't think. Y'all have given up, you know, whatever worldly pleasures that I find valuable for this, this guy who died. And it's been 2,000 years and nothing's changed. What do you think you're doing? So here, here, here's the point that I don't want you to miss. One of the fruits of discipleship is that the world hates you. The world's condemned, and there's no room for middle ground. But here's the thing. In verse 26, the helper's coming. And when he comes, one of his roles in the world is to say, hey, that guy Jesus, he was the real deal. One of the things that the Holy Spirit is doing in your neighborhood is trying to point people back to Jesus. The people that want nothing to do with him, he, he's saying, hey, 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 I know your life is good and things are going fine and you just want to be left alone, but remember that Jesus guy? Something fundamental in the universe changed because he was here. The Holy Spirit is trying to do that. That's one of his jobs. And one of the ways that he does that is he helps us to do the same thing. When the helper comes, he's going to bear witness about me. He's going to tell everybody what was true. And he's going to help you to bear witness about me. 
So we're helped to cultivate a lasting harvest. Because here's the thing. I feel like maybe sometimes I've had joy. I've been joyful. I've, I've chosen to be joyful at, at, on occasion. But here is where the Holy Spirit says, this is going to last. Because when, when, would, when, would when are we typically happy? We're happy when things are fine and there aren't any problems and nobody's yelling at us and nobody's telling us that we're stupid and nobody's accusing us of being bigoted and closed-minded and all of these kinds of things. But when those things are happening, Jesus says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and your joy is going to be lasting. We cultivate lasting joy by truly loving, loving Jesus, by following his commandment to love other people. Lasting joy. I'm a young guy. I don't have much of anything figured out. But I do want what I work on to be lasting. I don't want to get to the end of my life and go, well, I, it's over, I guess. So what can, what can we expect? What are the expectations? The expectation is Jesus says, hey, you love me. If you, if, do you love me? Are you connected to the life that I give? I'm divine. I'm giving life. Whether you choose to be connected to me or not, I'm still growing. The Father's pruning because I'm a vine. I just go everywhere. And the Father's keeping me on point. Whether you choose to be connected to me, I'm growing. So do you love Jesus? Are you connected to him? We love Jesus. We love one another. That's how we demonstrate. Demonstrate that I love Jesus by loving one another. What does that mean? It means reaching out, making contact with people, listening to them, walking with them, being patient with them. Sometimes it costs you stuff. Sometimes it's money. A lot of times it's time. Most of the time, it's time. And sometimes it's emotional damage. Loving other people is putting yourself at risk. So can you trust Jesus enough to show love to somebody who you know is going to hurt you? And on any given day, I answer this question differently. Which is why I need to be connected to the vine. And the other thing that we can expect is that we're opposed. The world doesn't like what's happening. They don't like people to say, hey, that Jesus guy was right and y'all are in sin. That doesn't fly. They're not going to like it. And that's okay. But we cultivate lasting joy by truly loving. What does that look like this week for you? I can't answer that question. Not in a very specific way, but you can. You know what your Monday looks like, what you're going to be doing. You know what Tuesday looks like. So let's take a few minutes and, uh, and let's be quiet and let's pray about what, it, what is it that God is looking for me Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been helped, encouraged, and challenged by God in His Word. 
If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or you'd like to contact us, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.